This is Poured Over, a show about stories presented by the booksellers of Barnes & Noble. I'm Miwa Messer. I'm the producer and host of Poured Over, and I am so, so happy to have Alison L. Strayer, who's the translator for Annie Arnault, and Dan Simon, her U.S. publisher. You know Annie's name because she just won the Nobel Prize for Literature last month. And if you haven't yet read her, we have some suggestions for where to start. But I'm trying not to nerd out too hard about the translation piece, but I'm so excited for all of this. But Dan, you have been publishing Annie since 1991 in the United States. And Seven Stories Press is a really big part of Annie's story. So would you tell us how you came to find Annie's work and also how she became part of Seven Stories? Sure. Um, hi, Miwa. Hi, Allison. Yeah, I mean, Annie was published by Gallimard. It's one of the great French publishers since, I think, 1974, even longer. So you're talking, you know, basically 50 years, quite incredible. Uh, at the time that um, I was introduced to her uh, work by someone named uh, Samuelson. Mr. Sam, uh, Mr. Samuelson uh, ran something called the French Book Publishers Office, which is the French government's kind of exporter of, you know, French book culture and French book rights. It still exists. It's run now by my friend Alice uh, Tassel. And back then in the late 80s, probably 89, uh, Mr. Samuelson took me aside and he said, I, you know, I really feel like this author, Annie no, you know, is kind of in line with your philosophy as a publisher and the kind of publisher that you are. And and I read two very short books in French. I, you know, I could read French fluently. I had lived there for three years. And uh, these were a woman's story in a man's place. One is a portrait of her father. One is a portrait of her mom. They're breathtakingly short. They're very readable in the sense that uh, her sentence structure is very direct and immediate. If I can say this, I don't know if Allison agrees with this, but Annie knows writing style is, is quite consistent with what I consider good English language writing style, which is short, direct sentences, um, down-to-earth uh, language. Um, there's nothing kind of highfalutin about it on the sentence structure level, you know, very kind of earthy. Um, and I really like that. And this kind of goes against the grain of what we think of as French literary style, which is a bit more Baroque and, you know, Proustian, you know, Proust or any one of a number of uh, writers that you could imagine who are kind of more uh, upper class. There's even a kind of aristocracy element. You know, the French French literary society is very elite. Um, and here was this working class girl talking about immediate things in a very visceral way. And I was quite overwhelmed. You know, we signed up these books. And uh, at the time, Annie was translated by someone who Allison and I both still hold in very high regard. Uh, who died, uh, Tanya mm -hmm. Leslie, who was a Scot. She was yeah. a Scot, and she kind of did, she lived in Paris, but she kind of did like, you know, more what you would call business translation type things. There was no other literary author, but she translated Annie for us. I can't remember how we met her, but, but you know, at the time she really captured Annie's voice in English. And it's even more true now with Alison, but even then, 
these books didn't lose much in translation, partly because of how Annie writes and partly because of being very fortunate in her translators. So, and then it was off to the races. Okay, but before we get to Allison, I do want to ask about Seven Stories Press, because that is the name of your house. And Annie is one of the seven authors who yes. essentially you built a house out of. You started with Nelson Algren. Yeah. And then, so let's just tell that story, because I think it's a rather sweet story. And I think there might be some folks who are listening who don't know that story. Yeah, it is kind of a sweet story. So I had started publishing Nelson Algren in the mid 80s. I worked for a guy named Glenn Thompson. Uh, I, well, I was an assistant at W.W. W. Norton, great mm-hmm. independent publishing house. And one of their distributees was a company that had started in England by an American, a black American publisher named Glenn Thompson. And so Glenn was the most exciting person walking around the, the quadrangle. W.W. W. Norton was then and still is built around a quadrangle at Fifth Avenue and yep. 42nd Street. And I was in the middle and the inner row, the outer row editors had windows. We in the inner row had no windows. And but everybody had to walk past my office. So the the chairman of the board, George Brockway, was in one corner and the treasurer, Vic Schmalzer, was another corner. And Glenn, as a distributee, Glenn Thompson, he had started this company in England, then bought it back and started American version. And they used to I used to see them kind of going back and forth. And I got to know Glenn a little bit. And he was the most exciting person at Norton. He was a brilliant publisher, very exciting. And so when I when I started reading Nelson Algren and learned that all his books are out of print, you know, I brought that to Glenn and he said, he basically, you know, he was, I was already working for him as a freelance editor. And he said to me, you know, why don't you see if you can get the rights and I'll publish them and we'll give you an imprint and you'll be the youngest person in publishing uh, with your own imprint. He was really flattering me because I was doing good editorial work for him. And so, you know, that's what happened is I went to the Algren's agent and I said I wanted to get the rights. And she was like, who are you? And that was a very famous agent at the time named Candida Donadio. And she went to all his former publishers, Algren's former publishers, which included Doubleday and many others, and Putnam and FSG. And she said, won't you bring Algren back to print? There's this guy who wants to do it. And I don't know who he is, <laughs> like a kid. I was 26 years old at the time. And they all said no. And so she finally said yes to me. Right. And we started bringing out these books. And, you know, I bought the rights, which was the little piece. And Glenn paid for the printing and production. And, and they did quite well. And, you know, they started doing well. And, and I got to know people, you know. Kurt Vonnegut had been a friend of Nelson Algren, so he agreed to do an introduction for one of the first mm-hmm. ones and, and that sort of thing. And then, you know, we got going. And eventually, when I decided to turn it into a company, Glenn was very generous and he gave us the back mm-hmm. and everything. So we started with Nelson Algren. And then I had a company uh, called Four Walls, Eight Windows. Mm-hmm. And and I, I did that really with a partner, yep. uh, my friend John Oakes. And John and I had a good run for. Uh, 10 basically 10 years and then we had a disagreement in 1995 and we decided to split the company in half you know i could have continued to be a publisher or not but i went to uh the authors that i considered to be my most important authors mm-hmm. and i basically said to them if you want i'll continue to do this but i i'm not going to do it without you so mm-hmm. that those are the kind of core seven and 
And one of them was Octavia Butler. Right. Um, and, and, you know, one of them was Project Censored. And one, one of them was a nutritionist, uh, Gary Null, an alternative nutritionist. And, and uh, one of them was Greek writer, Vasilis Vasilikos. And one of them was a basketball writer, Charlie Rosen. It seems a little bit random now. But, you know, one of them was Ani. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a little reckless of them, frankly, to stay with me in doing this. And I think they did it um, just out of kind of impulsively. Right. I, I don't think they should have. I mean, there was no certain future. Um, <laughs> but but they did. And it, it it meant a lot to me. So I didn't yeah. feel like I was doing this alone. And, you know, certainly Ani was terribly important to me. So was mm-hmm. Nelson Algren. You know, the estate of Nelson Algren. Yeah, of course, was one of them. I didn't feel like I had control over it. And and I and so it was really the company was then named in their honor. And those are the people that right. that thought I could do this when I suppose to me, I was like, I didn't know if I could do it or not. So it was kind of I took a lot of strength from their uh, impulsive, reckless mm-hmm. decision foolishly to stay with me. And Allison joined. <laughs> Allison joined the fun. So, Allison, you became Annie's translator with 2017's The Years, which most people consider her masterpiece. I had a great time reading it. I think it's a fantastic, wildly interesting book. But I also love the way she brings together all of these different genres. Well, she mixes genres. I mean, this is something that everyone says about Annie, that she blends fiction and memoir and does what she can. But for you as a reader first, we're going to come back to you as a translator, but for mm-hmm. you as a reader first, when was the first time you read Ani and what was the book and what did you think and how did you end up here? Uh, I read, the book, first book I read by Ani was in 1992, I think. Um, and it was uh, Simple Passion, Passion Simple. I've been given given it as a as a gift. And uh, I was really intrigued by the, by the clarity and the, and the uh, simplicity and the, as she calls it, lapidary <laughs> quality of the, of the writing. And I, I immediately read uh, in French, La Place, the, A Man's Place and uh, A Woman's Story. And then um, I don't know when it was that I started reading them in translation as well uh, i read them in french first but but uh, but then but read the translations it became another whole other aspect of it because because i of course i i really admire uh tanya leslie's translations she sort of she became the the english voice of of Anielu for me that's that's how i began <laughs> dan how many books did you do with tanya as the translator we did you know the first two certainly a man's place and a woman's story and then several others certainly yeah exteriors uh la vie exterieure uh, exteriors um uh, and passion simple passion simple that's true simple passion la honte la shame, honte. shame yeah. definitely happening Wonderful happening. Happening is Tanya Leslie also. Yeah. Uh, there's there was a then a period where um I think Tanya was still alive, but maybe mm-hmm. she wasn't available uh, you know any longer or something. I I I'm I i do not remember exactly what it was. And then there's several books that are done neither is kind of pre-Allison but post-Tanya, right. such mm-hmm. as A Frozen Woman, Linda Coverdale, which is 
it's kind of interesting. Linda's a great translator too, and it's kind of interesting because that's the only one of Annie's books which is translated into a American mm-hmm. voice. You know, yeah. like the slang, the the right. references, the jokes, whatever. You know, there's an American equivalent, and I I admire Linda very much. But that book, to me, I still can't really uh, visualize or accept Annie speaking in American. Yeah, no, I can, no, 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 I can see that. She has a very, very distinctive style. I, you know, I love the fact that she sort of describes herself as, you know, brutally honest and working class and also sometimes obscene. I'm just like, you are the best thing to come down the pike in a really long time. Yeah, she talks dirty great. She's she she's, she's, she's like exactly nobody. who she is. But the idea that now yeah. she has a Nobel for writing about her private life and and women's lives in a way where she's taken the shame out of the equation. I mean, we're supposed to be running around like dainty little creatures. And she's just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I have a whole new way of looking at the world. Right. And it's really exciting to see. But, Allison, do you remember when you realized that you were going to be translating the years? Because the years also is not your standard memoir. I mean, it's... The biography of a time, it's sort of a socioeconomic study of France for 65 years. I mean, this is not a small project. It's less than 300 pages, but it's not a small project. I mean, can we talk about that from a translation? Sure. Well, it was, it was a huge, huge uh-huh. and, uh, multi-layered uh, project. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of research to uh-huh. do. But right. you know, living in France, I picked up a fair bit of it, of the right. name, but, but still... Right. There was a lot of checking. Um, and but the, the thing that I was really delighted by was just the, the number of of ditties and songs and 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 silly kitty jokes because she really made music of them. It right. Was, uh, right. Just strings and strings and strings of them. And you of course you could tell that these were rich with associations and with, uh, you know, you say one uh, brand name and of course you can think of uh, 25 different things right. in your life. You could imagine how that would be for her and you could imagine how it would be in your own life. Uh, and it actually became very rhythmical and, and, uh, and it was an amazing, amazing translation experience, but it took a long time to get to the point where the language started moving because you have to put you have to start out sort of in, in English laying down a rock rocks and then a rock and a rock building a a, a wall okay. and it doesn't move and it's just right right next to the the ground and because you can't you can't obviously start uh, translating full sentences really right. my my whole idea was just to just ab- stick absolutely close to the earth of her syntax and okay. uh, and build up and you build and you build and you build and then finally something starts to move uh and then you can gain some of the movement that you yeah. but in English that you have sensed and been thrilled by in reading the French we worked intensely uh, on the years and I just it's funny me why you you know you're asking it's funny Allison to hear you talking about it because it's such a daunting translation you know it's such a it's like in a funny way it's like a very long poem you know in the sense of just the density but Allison didn't you and I work together on a project previously something unrelated or was I don't think it was the first book oh two Uh, we worked on the disunited states 
which oh was my God, you very, very dense book. That's a mm-hmm. prose, Miwa, that's a very long prose book by a guy named Vladimir Posner. I Posner, think. yeah, a different there's one. Not, there's a more famous everybody. Vladimir Posner, but this this is a, uh-huh. it's his, it's a kind of historical, it's sort of like Let Us Now Praise Famous Men or something, Got and it. it travels across the U.S. It's a, I forgot about that. And what was the other one? Infidels by uh, Abdullah Tayyar. you did the first Abdullah Tayyar, right, exactly. Uh, okay. So we had worked together, and then, you know, I was wrestling with the years because it's so different. Like, that's yes. like the second incarnation of Annie or No. Like, I yes. was in love with the author of A Man's Place, A Woman's mm-hmm. Story, and the other books. And then here was this kind of something very different, uh, and I was still wrestling with it. And Allison, I think you are favorite, you are my favorite translator at the moment, having done the Abdelataya. And we brought it to you, but we brought it to you without kind of realizing what we were asking. <laughs> you know. Well, thank heavens you did. <laughs> yeah, we did indeed. But it took a long time because, and and, and Dan and I had a lot of discussions at first because um, the, the original uh, did not really read like, the sort of classic Annie I'll know uh yeah there were a lot of um for instance uh gerunds and uh continuous you know the continuous verb tense which yeah. she talked about a lot actually in, in yeah. the book so it's ing forms and which I translated as, as forms which in French are ended a and t Dan said this doesn't read really like like Annie I'll know and in the you know, he, he suggested putting in simple right. present forms which was good which is good, uh, good, good advice. But at first, I really just went exactly with what mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the same bird tenses. Yeah, but, no, exactly. Uh, we had a great process. It was a real wrestling match. I think. Yeah. It was, you know, it, it's great that we both had the regard for Tanya's translation that we mm-hmm. did. But it was we had not an easy time of it. I think mm-hmm. the book was stronger than both of us for a while, and 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 the great thing that. I, you know, I adore Alison Strayer, mm-hmm. and and the great thing was just Alison, your ability to go the distance with me. You know, it's like we just went, and it took—I don't know how long it took—but there were multiple a couple of years. Though. It was almost two years. It was almost two years, and so just going the distance. You know what I mean? That's it's, it's yeah. like we went, it just like that was not obvious, and and I think I was very difficult, and I wanted what I wanted, but Alison is—you know—it's ultimately Alison's translation. So we had there was a, there was not exactly a power struggle, but there was kind of a power struggle, and I think we both won. I think it was more of a discussion. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it has to be Al. Allison had to find the saw, you know, the music had to find the voice, you know, and so you know, at the end of the day, my role as an editor is to yield, <laughs> you know, but yep. I'll be, but I'm very opinionated, as Allison can tell you, so I'll fight her. You know, but then at the end, it's really Allison has the last word, and it is a fantastic translation. And as we know, it won a number of awards. Right. Annie's not really part of that conversation. Right. It's not, it's not like right. at the end of the day, we do our best and we bring it to Annie, you know, we kind of, you know, drag it to Annie and Annie decides. It's like Annie trusts us. Right. Her English is not, you know, and thankfully, sometimes you have writers being translated, and they they, they want the final word, even they though they they don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's a you know, Annie has the great wisdom to kind of leave it to us, mm-hmm. and and I do you know I defer to Allison in the end. It's a you know a tremendous responsibility. Allison, I want to come back to something 
about translation that I'm I'm super curious about because here you are, you're looking for the emotional truth, right? You've talked about building the wall from the words and the text and everything that you have, but you still have to find the emotional truth of what Ani is trying to do because if that's not there, then we're not going to walk along the wall with you, right? I mean, that is that is a really fundamental piece of this. So here you are thinking and feeling in two languages, which is not always the easiest thing to do, and they're not always exactly aligned. Yeah, and they never will be. <laughs> yeah, which I appreciate. No, I appreciate this, and I, and I do love that. But you've also done three very different books. I mean, a girl's story is deeply intimate, and you know, it, it's such a special book, but it's also really hard. And then Getting Lost, which is the diaries behind the novel. Yeah. A Simple Passion, which obviously your introduction to, Ani, you're working in such different moments in this artist's career. I mean, yeah. aren't you getting a little whiplash? I realize these are all sort of two years apart, but the voice is there, but you're working with a lot of different material. Well, that there is something completely consistent uh, there. It really is really is the current in the river, you know, her voice, her spirit. Uh, it's, it's very, I feel it very, very keenly. I mean, that's, that's really the exciting part. One of the many exciting parts of translating a new book by her, because, you know, you get to know more, you get to know this voice more, you get to know uh, another dimension of what you've already seen, but then it's never the same. It's never the same track. You know, you, you there's a, I'm develop. I'm developing a bit of a glossary. I use the same. She uses a lot of the same words, and I use the same words to translate them with. And there's a certain kind of sentence sometimes that she has a certain kind of you know word order. Uh, uh, but um, there's a whole other dimension that it's just brand new and a mystery. You know. Um, Miwa, can I ask a question of Allison? Sure. So Allison, so we all got to spend some time together serendipitously right after Annie won the Nobel, she was scheduled mm -hmm. to come to New York and Alice mm -hmm. came down from, she was in Toronto at the mm -hmm. time. And so the three of us had kind of like a pajama party for three days. It was uh -huh. really wonderful. Yeah. And we talked a lot, but one of the things that came up, Allison, if I remember correctly, is you said a girl story is your, maybe your favorite. I, mean, I love all her books, but it's absolutely unreplaceable, irreplaceable. For me, because it, it just spoke to me so uh, deeply and um, in a way sort of gave me back part of my life. And, and it keeps and it's a book that just keeps on expanding, you know, with, with daily thoughts I have or things I read or things I dream. For the listener, a girl in a girl story, I need after not being able to deal with this part of her life for 50 years, for right. 50 years couldn't write about it finally feels she's able to go and write about herself as an 18 year old right uh, and I find it one of the more difficult I mean it's a very substantial book but it's she gives a self-portrait that is quite uh unforgiving of yeah. I, I, maybe unforgiving is the, the right word or maybe the wrong word but she's pretty harsh on herself she is I find she it is. a difficult book for that reason which I admire a lot but yes. she had to find a form that almost spoke more than she could yeah. actually say it. You know, the medium was the message in a way. Right. And it's also a very long book for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
No, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, I've thought about the book a lot since you said that. Yeah, I also like it a lot, but it, I, it's a difficult book for me. For some it's reason, eerie. It's, like, it's sometimes very mm-hmm. eerie. It's very, I mean, she's writing about herself like shoplifting. You know, she was an au pair in England. She's shoplifting. She loses her virginity. She gets slut bashed a lot. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's tough to deal with. I mean, I find it, it quite difficult, you know, but I admire it a lot. She's not easy on herself. Uh, no, she's not. But the distance, yeah. yeah. But the distance she's creating between Ani as we know her now, as an older woman, and Ani as an eighteen-year-old. I mean, there's so many moments too where she's wrestling with how to tell the story. I mean, that's one mm, of the things exactly. I appreciate about reading her work is she's always wrestling with how do I tell the story? How do I find the truth in the silence? Like she actually pauses in a way mm. where we can, as the reader, st- take a step back and say, "Okay, wait a minute. What did I just experience?" Where am I going? But I love the idea that she's just wrestling with this on the page and she's unapologetic about everything. Yes, she's very hard on herself in this book, but she does also have a reason for doing what she, she's very stylistically deliberate. Yeah. And I think it's a little, I think she made a lot of really interesting choices that I don't think a lot of other writers would do, but in the context of her larger work, it makes perfect sense, this book, to me. It's exciting and exhilarating, as hard as some of these books are, or moments in the books, I should say, can be. It's so exhilarating to see her just say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the idea, I want to go to Getting Lost for a second, because you know she opens with the, I want to live a fable. And I can't believe, and all of this stuff that she says, I can't believe I was reliving Anna Karenina. Like, what am I doing? And I was thinking, yeah, what are you doing, lady? All of these moments where she's just like raising the eyebrow and yet she's absolutely right. Like of all the people in the world, like getting lost was actually, I think, a little bit more surprising for me in some ways than a girl's story because I was just like, but you kind of did know better. I mean, at 18, you don't know anything or you barely know anything, but you know, here she's, not 18 and getting lost and oh wow she is acting like a teenager when it comes to that dude from the embassy i mean it's wild and she's just like okay i mean we've all seen the line about the contact lens and where she found it (laughs) (laughs) but i mean she's very just matter of fact and it's really it's kind of exciting to see where she's just like yeah Here's the story. Well, she says in this week's, you know, New Yorker mm-hmm. profile, yep. you know, in that piece goes high, low. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. I mean, she really does. And I kind of was like, really, did you have to say that about a few of the things that she says? But I need to love that profile. She yeah. really liked it, which makes which I'm really glad about. And I ad- I admire it also because, you know, she 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 has a kind of holistic view. Mm-hmm. But when she talks, she got I need to, to talk about getting lost. And, you know, when she talks about, I guess she describes going back to the journals um, that she hadn't looked at in years. Yeah. Yeah. I think she had promised, doesn't she say that she had promised her lover that she would not look at the journals? Yes, she did say that. She also said she would never write about him. She did promise him yeah, that she exactly. would not write about and, him. <laughs> and, and Alex got the, I mean, the, you know, they had a great conversation. Alex got some really. They had an amazing, yeah. I, I was there and they had an yeah. amazing contact chemistry. That's great. Yeah. It was really and so, and so, you know, her going back to her journals and then realizing that there was, it tells a different story, you right. know, you, you know, than simple passion. 
Um, and so, yeah, formally, it's really interesting. As you mentioned, Miwa, you know, we've pub- I've published and been the English language editor of Ani for 31 years. Right. But the last few years, it's been in collaboration with uh, the publisher of Fitzcarraldo in England, right. Jacques, yep. uh, Jacques Testa. And so we talked about uh, getting lost. I think he was, you know, he was, uh, Jacques kind of said to me at some point, oh, yeah, the next book we should do, of course, it should be Sepelt. Reading it, um, I also thought it was formally really uh, interesting. It's her journal, right? But right. you know, presumably, select. You know, she's still crafting, selecting. I don't think she's. You get the feeling from Ani that she's kind of, rather than writing it now yeah. in the way that maybe she did a, yeah. a girl story, and I think maybe that's why we love a girl story is because she really did sit down. Still going from the journals, but she wrote it. In two thousand, whenever it was, uh, uh, you know, in the in the last decade, yeah, yeah. was getting yeah. lost. She just kind of let it. Mm-hmm. It just like she just let it be, um, and and she uh, almost she was just appreciating what already was that she had no idea that the journal of that time that she had kept right. in real time was was formally as strong as it actually already was. I mean, that's you know that's how she talks about it anyway. So. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's really good. I mean, I think people are always asking um, what they should start with mm-hmm. these days. You know, since the Nobel, everybody's asking us what, you know, what to begin with. And I think it's, I don't like to, I don't want to answer that question anymore. You don't because, have to. Because all these different pieces, I do, you know, I go back and forth. I think we talked about it with Ani when she was here. And I think the consensus was a man's place in a woman's story mm-hmm. um because those are no. like, just kind of be, why not begin at the beginning and even though right. that's not the beginning but that's that's when she kind of landed on the map of literature right. with, with those books right. but um but i think it's really personal and individual yeah i think for some people getting lost is the wrong book to start with i think for some people the years mm-hmm. is the wrong book to you have to build mm-hmm. up for them and I think for other people, it, it's great. And I worry a little bit. To, I stopped telling everybody to start with A Man's Place, A Woman's Story, because it's so long ago. Right. Like, right. do I really want to tell people, tell people to go read what Annie wrote 40 years ago? Mm-hmm. Or, or do I, or do we want people to read what she wrote, you know, most recently, you know, so it's just personal. She I, didn't, but that was written in, in 1988. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Getting no, lost is, it I, is, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, do we want to ask people to, 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 to go and start at the beginning and read what she was writing in 1988 or what she was writing in 2009 or 2016? And it's, I just think you should go in, look at them all, taste them all and pick the one you want to write. You, mm-hmm. you want to read it right now. I, yeah, I, 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 I there's so much to choose from, and yeah. honestly, they're so delightfully short. Um, yeah. You know, well, even even the longer ones, though. Honestly, Dan, I oh, mean, she's yeah. she's not she's not going to deliver a manuscript that's 500, 600, 700 pages. It's just not who she is. I mean, if you look at her ethos and how she approaches the work and how she approaches her world and what she does, she's not particularly interested in suddenly you know turning in in search of lost time, although. You could argue that yes, the years is perversion. I don't want to fetishize Ani. You know, there's yeah. a little danger of doing that now, but, mm-hmm. but she really can write breathtakingly short, and she can write a kind of normal length book. Um, you know, a kind of uh, I shouldn't say normal, but a kind right. of typical length book. 
But guess what? The book that we're publishing next fall, uh-huh. which Allison is translating as we speak, yeah. which is called The Young Man, is the shortest book we've ever published by her. Okay. Shorter by far than a woman's story in a man's place. Go figure. And in fact, when the French publisher sent it to me, I think I, I pictured it as a fax, so I guess it was an email. Right. Um, I was like, what's this? I mean, it was it was like a long email. You know, yeah. it was just so short. And then Alice actually at uh, French book publisher's office yeah. said, well, they have to send you the published book. I, you know, I'm going to get them to send it. And then mm. I got an actual book and read this actual book. Um, and it has a tremendous heft. Mm-hmm. I think it's Annie at the height of her powers. I mean, it's, and it is a story of a love affair with a much younger man. Um, but it is really good. It, I mean, you just, you know, it's a complete full book. It has tremendous heft. Um, but it's, again, it's half the length of mm-hmm. her previously right. shortest book. You know, Alison, are you, do you want to say anything about Le Jeune? I noticed this uh, in in her books and even short text, but uh, it, uh, the the young man connects up with uh, yeah. another book. Uh-huh. It's like, this is how I came to, uh-huh. uh, and even a really short text that I translated a couple of years ago called uh, Venice or the Young Man of Venice. And it was published in Le Devoir in Montreal and nowhere yeah. else for the okay. longest time. Okay. And and so I, I published it for free. I translated it for freeze. And she said at the end, sort of very abruptly, and this, this reflection that I had uh in, you know in the course of this relationship with this man she had a night with in Venice became the years. So figure. Huh. Um, it, and and uh, well, you'll see in Janon which book uh, mm-hmm. it sort of leads to, it, and they don't they don't seem to connect. But then when we think, how does this connect? It's fascinating, and it's it's just the whole, just her oeuvre. It just sort yeah. of just expands and expands and expands. <laughs> I don't remember which book it is. It's uh, happening. Yeah. Oh, but there's right. no, but yeah, there's that. even though yeah, it's not, ce n'est pas évident. You wouldn't. It wouldn't have yeah. been the one you guessed. No, it, it wouldn't. But that that's kind of the beauty of this world that we're in. And you can, and I, I want to stress this as well, you can pick up wherever you want. Uh, I, there's so much to work with. And these tiny, sublime, really smart, slightly aggressive. I mean, she's... Uh, yeah, well, it's a really good tell, As you can it. tell, I'm fangirling over her. But, <laughs> you know, before I let you guys go, because we are bumping up against time and I knew this would happen, but... I do want to talk about something that Anae has been very, very sort of vocal about is the idea that she doesn't like the definition of autofiction applied to her work, that she's just kind of like, listen, I do my thing. I tell my story. Yes, there's freedom in writing fiction. And I get to, you know, walk away from my own internal critic and all of this. And I just, I would like us all to say, you know, do we really need genre? And yes, I mean, I'm a bookseller. So of course, you know, genre impacts my world. But I do want to talk about this with you for a second, because Allison, you're a translator. Dan, you're a publisher. You've also written books and translated work as well. Like genre, are we, why are we still clinging to this? Do, can't we just let genre go? Can't we just let Anne write whatever she wants? I mean, the Nobel statement includes a moment about she's written these great memoirs. The man Booker said, the man Booker International was like, well, here, she's under fiction. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't she get the last word? <laughs> In the end, that's sort of went against it. 
it's really a moving target, Miwa. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it's changing all the time. So when we first started publishing Ani, she would not let us categorize the work as either fiction or nonfiction, which was okay. really, a, so, you know, as, you know, Barnes and Noble, you know, how do you know where to put it? Right. I mean, we had to uh, respect this. So we never said in the early editions that it was fiction or nonfiction. Right. She had this, she had, you know, some terminology kind of like sociological ethnography ethnography something like auto socio uh, yeah auto social biography is my sort of my messy translation apologies (laughs) i mean i think what's interesting is that uh, she's been very influential yeah as a kind of um you know creator of auto fiction so Mm -hmm. she's kind of been I don't think there would maybe be that term and that subgenre were it not for her. Um, but it is true that uh, when you read Ani or No, you kind of more likely are to feel it's about you or, you know, about something very familiar to you than that you're reading somebody who wants to tell you about themselves. She's not interested in herself in that way. Right. And so, you know, it's not like a Knausgaard or somebody who wants to tell you about every minute of themselves because, you know, they find mm-hmm. that so interesting. She's it's kind of like she were a painter and, you know, she, she's she got, you know, somebody or a, a parent or a child or a sibling who's right mm-hmm. there. So she'll, so she'll paint them. You know, right. she's the person that's right there. But so um, but I just think it's changing all the time. It's kind of interesting. Um, she was kind of flowing. Before the Nobel, she was kind of flowing into a more uh, fictiony space because it was right. being read as literature. But now I think since the Nobel, it's a little bit kind of being pulled almost in a more um, a memoir, nonfiction direction. Yeah. You know, and I mean Svetlana Alexievich, you know, very different, but yeah. it's kind of a little bit being pulled in that direction. But yeah, if if you're saying, wouldn't it be nice if Ani can be the hammer that shatters the glass of genre, that's kind you of know. exciting. Anyway, <laughs> Allison, what do you think? I uh, well I, I just think as a as an object of of contemplation, just looking at looking at her whole oeuvre and you know thinking about it, uh, I don't know if you'll come up with a, a new a new word to characterize it, but it would be nice to find some way of of characterizing uh, a body of work that just is. That just how about Erno esque? Erno esque. I mean, why not Erno esque? <laughs> yeah. Well, she talks about the transpersonal I. Yes, uh, exactly. In yes. in, in uh, the the years, and and I really even in getting lost, which was so so intimate i more and more i started seeing the transpersonal i mm-hmm. it was uh it was just there was just a sort of a peak of where pleasure meant su- met suffering and right. and it's kind of just burst you know it's just it the transpersonal i was there for me i mean here's the thing i am not an 82 year old French woman born in normandy with a nobel prize under my belt and yet there is so much for me to be able to key into in any of the books. 
And sometimes I'm, you know, reading about her struggle with writing and sometimes I'm thinking, oh, what did you just do? Oh, lady, what did you just do? There's so many different points. And that for me as a reader, that's what I'm looking for. I just want someone to tell me a story. I just want to find the truth of my day to day in someone else's life. I think that's interesting. I think it's fun. I think you're a very good reader of, of her, Miwet. I, I like all the things you've said about yes. this. Yeah, I really the, like what you say, too. Thank you. Yeah, the, the New York Times book review put her in, you know, the week she won the Nobel, she hit mm-hmm. the list high up on the paperback nonfiction list. And I really like that because she's the most literary thing on that list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> paperback nonfiction, so it's like a book, you know, the, the, it's that book about mushrooms and you know, I mean, it's really nonfiction. And then you get this literary stuff. So she's right. kind of a, you know, it's really like there was a palace coup in that nonfiction list to have something so literary there. So I so I really like that. But but if she is going to be read as, as nonfiction, then she's making the whole idea of nonfiction kind of literary in a new way. You know, it's so, pretty great. It's yeah, pretty great. Pretty great. Allison L. Strayer, thank you so much. Dan Simon, it was great to be able We could keep going, obviously, for hours and hours and hours, but it's really late in Paris, so we've got to let Allison get back to her <laughs> life. But thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Annie Arnaud is our current Nobel laureate, and really, you've got, what, 20 books, Dan, that you've done? No, 20 we books? have 12 uh, okay. with about three or four kind of in process. Okay. Uh, Allison's translating the Jeunhomme, and then right. Allison is going to retranslate her first novel, which is which is called cleaned out uh cleaned out okay. yeah that's a lot of ground to cover and that's a lot of great reading for a lot of folks out there so thank you so much for joining us i appreciate thank you both thanks Mira. great to meet thank you thank you Mia. thank you for listening poured over is a barnes and noble production to help other readers find us please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts